Okay, here's episode six, I believe. Um, I'm going to do six and seven back to back because I've been here so I need to catch up. <clears throat> so today I'm going to talk about probably one of the biggest mental health abuse abuses anybody can do to anyone else. I mean, this is just a generalised um, thought or um, a view on how you can negatively impact someone mentally without even realising you're doing it really, but it does have an impact because it had an impact on me. And that's always like telling someone that they won't amount to nothing, get a proper job, don't chase your dreams, you you know, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Now, that might sound like a bit ridiculous or ludicrous, that, oh, that can't do much damage. But let me tell you something, I'll take you right back to Tino's. I've mentioned... She doesn't, in my view, deserve the title mum, so I refer to her as Tina. When I was a child, I was quite gifted, I was quite intelligent, and I was quite talented at a lot of things that I put my mind to. And I always had her in my head going, no, you need to get, you need to think about getting a proper job, but that won't amount to nothing, you know. A young published poet, uh, an accomplished clarinet flutist and saxophone player, good at football, you know, I could have made it. Do you know, I... It, you know, but I always had it there going, oh, one in a million, that won't pay the bills. That really does have a negative impact mentally because I always felt that I could, could never achieve. Never, ever achieve. And it took me to the age of 36. I'm 41 now. 36 years old before I could break that voice in my head and actually go out and pursue my dreams. And that was being a creative person, uh, acting uh, training as a stunt performer, you know, music, you know, I write mu- I write music and write lyrics. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a talented daughter that's doing that. And I've never, ever told her, oh, you just got to think about a proper job. No, what I did is I stood up as a parent that my parents weren't. And I said, brilliant, go and get it, go and do it, go and chase it, if you want it, go and make it happen, but I did say to her, the one thing you do need to have is an education, so go and get the education that backs up what you want to do, so she did, she did college, and now she's looking at going on to university, and I took a leaf out of, right, I'm a parent, what do I want to do, and what don't I want to do, and what I didn't want to do is be a parent that my parents were, I didn't want that, so I decided that, right, I'm not going to raise my children the way I was raised. I'm not going to tell them they'll never amount to anything. I'm never going to tell them not to go and chase their dreams because if everybody listened to that, we wouldn't have the creators we've got in the world. So, you know, it sounds like so far-fetched, but it's actually true. So if you're one of these people that tells people that you know, you, you'll never amount to anything, don't do that because that really does damage someone mentally as well because they make they stop believing in themselves and that's what I did for a long long time I stopped believing in myself and I sat myself I set myself in this life that really did go downhill really really fast I started becoming the person that they said I was going to be and that was the drug abusing drink abusing violent thug that was going to be in and out of prison Thankfully, after my path to prison, I met someone in prison that helped me turn it all around. And I just want to say, like, you've got to remember, like, I'm BPD, borderline personality disorder diagnosed, but it's only been four years since I had the diagnosis. But that doesn't mean I didn't always have it. 
and it was just missed. So every time I was told you can't amount to nothing, I believed it, you know. I wish I'd had parents that turned around and said, go and chase your dreams, go and, go and push, go and fight for it. We'll take the auditions, we'll, we'll, we'll help you get the equipment you need. Things like that. Maybe my life would be a lot different now and maybe I wouldn't be sat here so damaged that I felt the need to do this podcast and just talk to people about what I went through in the hopes that it resonates with some and they they take a leaf out of my book and go, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go and do what I want to go and do. I'm not going to let people stop me. Now, we we all we all are are addicted to social media. There ain't nobody out there that can turn around and say I'm not addicted to social media. That's a lie. You're always on it. Everybody's always on it. And I see a lot of people go, oh, chase your dreams, chase your dreams. But then I'll see the same people going, yeah, but you're not good at that. That's rubbish. I mean, they're a little bit hypocritical, and you're like, you know, dangling a carrot in front of the donkey's nose on a stick and string. But then that donkey's never going to get that carrot because you're then again taking it away. Now, people that do that, you don't realise the damage that you're actually doing on a deeper level because that person will go away and get knocked back. I'll give you a prime example. I used to do Facebook Live videos talking about mental health issues and my my struggles with it and living life with, with a mental health illness. And a friend, someone I've known for many, many years, two decades, said, oh, you shouldn't talk about that. And that one thing, that one thing that they said absolutely knocked me back and I stopped dead. I did not do any more live videos because, again, Tina's voice come back and go, you'll never amount to anything. You're not good enough to do this. You can't do this. You can't do that. So going back to childhood and bringing it into adult adulthood, there is a definite link to where it went wrong for me. Now I don't blame them. I don't. I don't hold no grudge. I don't hold no hate because for years I held hate and anger towards people. And when I went to prison, I met a pastor, and he said one of the hardest things to do is forgive people for what they did to you. He said, "You know what's even harder than that?" I said, "No, what?" And he said, "Forgiving yourself for what you did." And as soon as I got my head wrapped around that, and now I'm not getting all religious, please don't don't think I'm getting all religious. But what I'm saying is, if you just applied that in just general philosophy, forgiving those that hurt you and letting that pain go and that anger go helps. But then when you f- forgive yourself, which is the hardest thing, and it really was because I hurt a lot of people as I went through life. I upset, I disappointed, I hurt and ruined a lot of people's lives. You know, and I, I have to carry that guilt around with me. You know, that's that's never going to go away. But I forgave myself for it as I forgave those that done similar or same crap to me. And that's when I started to realise that I can turn this all around and, and my experiences might help others rather than hinder. Why sit and be quiet about it and not talk about it? Because this is the problem. The stigma only... A, remains because we don't talk about it we my generation and the generations before were always told you don't talk about feelings i mean we can go back to that toxic masculinity episode one where i say don't man uh, man up and get a grip get hold yourself it doesn't last forever get out of tank well you know life ain't that bad it could be worse and all that lot all those are negatives and what i'm, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is 
try and, and flip those negatives on their head and turn them into positives because that's what we need. We need positives. And one, one of my biggest positives, I'll say it at the end of every podcast, get a support network because that's the biggest positive you can have no matter what it is you're suffering, no matter how you're feeling. You need that support work because they can. that support network can really turn negatives into positives and that's what I want people to do. It's like, um, you know, I had to do it on my own for a long, long time. And I was one of these people that, because of the generation I grew up in and the way I was raised, it was like, well, I'm not supposed to talk about this. I'm supposed to keep my mouth shut. Don't talk about it. Don't reach out. You don't need help. You'll be all right. You'll get over it. You'll get through it. It's just a bad day. But let me tell you something. Those bad days turned into bad weeks. Those bad weeks turned into bad months. And those bad months turned into bad years because I kept my mouth shut. And and now I'm realising that is the worst thing I could have done. Now, I can't go back and change time. can't go back and fix that. But what I can do, I can end that story there and I can start a new story and change my ending. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, I mean, I hope, like I say, I hope like just anything that I talk about just resonates with someone and just gives them a little spark of of uh, inspiration or hope or feeling or passion that they go, do you know what, I'm going to go out and make some changes. It, it, and here's a bit of advice. Don't try and make big changes straight away. Make loads of little changes because the little changes will add up to a big change eventually. And that's what I'm finding. So anyway, that, that's that's just what I wanted to talk about on that one. So uh, remember, support network, that's the most important thing. Um, this has only been a short one because I just wanted to touch upon how, how negative you can be when you put people down. Try, try and put, build people up. Make them a success because at the end of the day, when I've got to where I want to be and I'm I'm getting there every day I move closer and closer to my dream when I get there I'm going to be thanking everybody that supported me when I was at my lowest and didn't abandon me that stuck by me that were my support network because when I needed them they were there so you you need to go and get people like that as well and you watch your life lift it will lift day by day by day by day you know so you know support network I say it all the time it's a good thing it's a, it's one of the best things you can have, you know. And uh, I know, like this uh, second lockdown has has played havoc with people, overthinking things and, and and fearing and anxiety and panic and and all the rest of it. So you know, I, I suppose a, a support network there would be really important. I mean, I, I'm I feel quite blessed that I've got the the friends and uh, some of them are class as family, you know, wrapped around me. That, that helped me through this stuff and they give me that encouragement to keep chasing my dreams and every time I make another little tiny success they're like oh well done go keep going keep going you've got this you know what I mean so it just shows the power of positivity I suppose I mean it's cliche but maybe there is something to it you know so you know get your support network again you can add me you know send me a message you can find me on Facebook it's not hard to find Daniel Brooks you know, it's, it's where my podcast goes up anyway. You'll find me tagged in the post. So you can come find me, drop me a message. And if you want to have a chat, we'll have a chat. So anyway, that's the end of that one. And I'll uh, catch you soon. Thanks for listening. See you later. Episode seven. Now, this is quite a difficult one because it's quite complex and quite complicated. So I'll try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, I'm going to take you back to my mental and physical abuse at first at the hand of someone that you would just not expect ever to 
be mentally or physically abusive, and that's my parents. Now, just to put it in context, when I say parents, it's my mother, Tina, and who I then believed was my father. And he was an alcoholic, and she hit the bottle quite a lot as well. So I, I did suffer a lot of um, physical abuse, beatings, and then um, denial of things and uh, being made to feel like the odd one out. I mean, I use I use this term, but it's actually true. It turns out I was the uh, the old cliched red-headed stepchild. So, you know, that was, um, that was actually a thing for me. I actually was. And now I try and make light of it because I've got to, but to have like, um, to be mentally and physically abused by your parents, that no doubt in my mind now sets you on a path for some serious serious mental health issues in adulthood there there ain't no doubt about that at all <clears throat> and you you learn this you you learn in childhood uh what it is to love or what the definition of love is now to me from childhood love for me was being beaten up you know taking a kicking and then learning to lie about it. So, you know, although this is like a, a physical thing, it left me very much mentally scarred. Trying to move forward in adult life after going through something like that. And I'll just I'll just give you another example of how bad it got. My uncle uh, petitioned, I think, social services and the courts a total of eight times in order to try and get custody of me from Tina and uh, who I thought was my dad back then because he saw the abuse that was going on. But we're going back to a time where shit like that really was like not really talked about, wasn't really faced. It was kind of swept under the carpet. It was, you know, it was denied and the denial was believed more than the accusation it was like um regardless of the proof it seemed like there was gonna, there was never going to be any conviction and i don't mean in the courts or anything like that by that i just mean in society that it was just it was just unheard of it was like uh i know that that old cliche mothers know best or parents know best or whatever so you know and when i when i look back on um past relationships that have been long time long term by that I mean they've lasted more than three years they've lasted four four to five I always had that um element of mistrust and misplaced ideal of love and uh and and violence and, and violence was 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 the biggest thing and uh I, I now get it after the diagnosis and when I look at look back at what happened in in life with the violence and stuff and i just think wow um i wonder how how different my life had been had i been diagnosed early would i have done done those things or how different my life had been if uh social services were more on their game like they appear to be today some might argue that they're a bit ott but you know they'll, they'll never get it right i suppose but 
you know, so it's a really, like, difficult thing. Now, one of the worst things for me was after I got the diagnosis, I was actually in a relationship. And this is how nasty some people can get. They use your mental health against you and they'll hit the triggers and get you going and then make it make themselves the victim because apparently you don't understand what it is you're saying or doing because you're mentally ill. That's wrong. I'll tell you what it really is. It's they know exactly what they're doing because you're mentally ill and mentally damaged. And that was one of the hardest things I went through. Now, for those that don't know about borderline personality disorder, one of the biggest fears is abandonment and being abandoned. And that's why sometimes we, we, we may actually push people away before they jump or before they leave. But in this particular relationship, I did everything to make it work. I really did. I mean, the abuse was so much that she'd disappear for anything up to like a month, six weeks at a time, ignore my phone calls, you know what I mean, block me on everything, you know what I mean, just disappear like I didn't exist and then just want to rock up and make everything all right. And me being like a big-hearted person would always forgive her, let her back in and then the pattern would restart. It was like a cycle, you know. And uh, one of the things, that, I mean, it's taken me like, oh God, I mean, we're going on over two years now and I'm still not fully recovered from it. I'm still having issues trusting anybody like in, in the views to get into a relationship. Um, <clears throat> but she's done a disappearing act, left me like completely distraught again, heartbroken, questioning what it was I did wrong because prior to this, we'd had like an amazing week together. Prior to that, she'd left again. Prior to that, we'd had great time again, happy. you know. And then um, she just left on a Friday. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to hurt you anymore. I get it. I shouldn't be putting you through this, blah, 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 all the rest of it. I love you and I'll see you Monday. might be Tuesday. And then never came back. Never heard from her. That was it. Just gone. That... For someone with BPD or like even any anybody not not with a mental health issue, I'm telling you now that's gonna hurt and that's gonna cut so deep, and that is gonna leave a lasting impression on what you decide to do when it comes to future relationships. So you know, but going back to my parents and me raising, now I said it was now it was alcoholic regular beatings, and then I found out who my real dad was. Now, I remember really, it's really vivid, and I've, I've brought this up with my dad as well, and I said, like, you know, can you imagine this, right? <clears throat> so I'm being raised to, oh, I can't remember the age it was before he finally fucked off, but I think I was about, uh, about eight or nine, maybe ten, I don't know, I can't remember, but I remember finding uh, a drawer of photos, old photos, and this really, really did actually fuck me up really big time in the head because I found two wedding photos. There was one with my mum 
So, you know, married bloke that I thought was my dad. And when I found out who my dad was, my dad was in that picture. And then there was a picture opposite that as well. Now, I never got the truth about it. I still think they hide it. But, you know, they tried to deny that he was at the wedding or whatever. But the photo was there. And that really messed my head up as a kid because if you can't trust your parents, then who on earth can you trust? So to say that I've got trust issues would be an understatement because of the, the experiences I've had in life with people that you expect to trust, you rely on trusting them. You wouldn't have a bad word said about your parents at all as a kid, would you? Do you know what I mean? But actually, all the bad words said about my parents, I could probably sit, sit around and say, actually, they deserved it because they weren't parents to me. They were just people that dragged me up. But I think going back and like really like thinking about it, I always remember my brother, the next one down, was always spoiled. Do you know what I mean? He got everything. He got away with everything. If if ever me and him had a sibling fight, I'd be the one on the end of a kicking because he could never do any wrong. And Turns out, I now know why, because he was the alcoholic dad's firstborn. I wasn't. I was the stepchild. So all the anger and frustration and hurt or whatever, uh, the drunkenness, was, was, I was the punching bag for it. But it, it was majority, 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 it was physical. Took a lot of beatings, a lot of kickings. I remember one... One one front of a bunk bed, the bunk bed bounced off the walls and then got a steel toe cap punk under the fucking chin. I'm lucky to be alive, to be honest. I was about eight year old, I think, when that happened. You know what I mean? I was surprised I didn't end up with a broken jaw. But it it was bad. So I was brought up very much in a house that was drugs, alcohol and violence. So it's no wonder that early on in adult life, up until a crucial moment, which I'll talk about, in another episode, which will, which will be about a, a dead body, prison and a pastor. But until that point, my answer to it, I think, was getting drunk and being violent. Now, some can say, oh, yeah, but you were just a drunk and violent thug. But others will say, but yeah, but you, you were mentally scarred and that's how you dealt with the issues. Both are right. Both are right. There ain't no wrong in that. I was a violent drunk thug. I mean, and I hurt a lot of people and I, I and I ruined a lot of lives. But also it's true that I was mentally scarred and that's how I thought life was about. I thought that was it. It was get drunk, be violent. That's how you solved your issues. That's, it was normal. That was my normal. You know, we talk about normalising things, but imagine growing up in, in a household, in a, in a generation, that that was the normal. Is it any wonder that I became that, that man that I was raised by a man that did exactly the same thing, you know. I, I witnessed my mum getting beaten, so was it any surprise that I went on and become domestically violent for a time? You know? I can't I can't sit there and say it was all mental health. I can't, you know. There are experts out there that will agree. There are experts out there that disagree. They'll say, well, it was because of that. And there'll be experts that say, well, no, it wasn't because of that. It's just because you was abusing drink. But... Here's the thing, there's a lot of people out there that abuse drugs and alcohol 
that now he's actually finally starting to be realised because they've got severe mental health issues, they've got demons, for want of a better word, that they need to deal with, they need to confront, they need help with. So, like, this was another reason I wanted to do this podcast because I'm confronting my demons. I'm opening up to anybody that wants to listen and say, look, I was fucked up, in all honesty. I was a complete mess till about the age of 32. And then I started turning around and then I got my diagnosis when I was about 30, 36, I think it was, when I got it. And then it all became clear. Then I started reading. Then I started reading studies and papers and things just started falling in place. And this got me to thinking, if there's papers on this and there's understandings from experts on this, then why on earth are we still in this epidemic of severe mental health? issues why are we still not addressing this problem for years it's been written about probably years older than me it's been written about and talked about in the expert circles yet we're still not doing anything about it so you know i'm sitting here i'm just chatting away just just recalling memories and Seeing, seeing if you lot can make the link as well and like maybe become more understanding of people that you know that are around you that may be a bit um, similar or same behaviour or been through the same thing because let me tell you something, don't turn your back on them, like don't judge them on their past because they had to go through that before they seeked help and when they seek help they'll start turning it around so if you know people like that, don't be so quick to go, oh, fucking weird. You know what I mean? Uh, alcoholic, uh, drugging, uh, violent. Because I had all that all my life. And I feel one, like I'm one of the lucky ones. I feel like I was lucky enough to be able to pull myself out of it. But let me tell you something like that. Three out of four men won't. And they'll get to the point and they'll kill themselves because they don't know where to turn. I mean, not not everyone, like, I'm not, not blowing smoke. I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass, but something about me never quit, won't allow me to quit. Would always wanted to better myself and wanted to to change, and I did, and I am. I ain't there yet. Still have me me, me bad times. I still have me, you know, still still have me bad times with me hard days and things like that. But I will never ever like. I hope I'll never ever go back to. The real old me that was the alcoholic, drug abusing, violent thug and end up back in prison. By the way, just an FYI, I come out in prison in, uh, on the 12th of September 2012 and since that day I've never thrown a punch in anger. Right? I've, not, I've not thrown a punch and I've never been arrested. So there you go, not been to court, nothing. I actually did turn my life around eight years ago and, you know, and I just keep on thinking. But I've managed to build up these like these really this really good circle of friends that know about my mental health and know my story. Do you know what I mean? This is the thing, they know everything as well. And they've not turned their back on me. You know, they knew about my drug abuse, they knew about my violence, both domestically and on the streets and my prison, my arrest record. And they didn't judge me on that. They judged me on who I am today. And they said, damn, if you can go through all that and become who you are today, you need to get out there and start telling people your story. So this was the idea behind the podcast, you know. It started out with behind 
the Facebook lives, but I never really got to actually sit there and really talk about what it was I really went through because I still felt I had to hide it. I still felt that I had to sugarcoat it. I still felt a little bit ashamed. But no, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm embracing it and saying, look, you know, that was me and this is me today. So if I can change and I can go and get help, then guess what? All you lot out there can go and get the help and I will be more than happy to talk to people and help them get the help if they're struggling, if they don't know where to turn to again. Hit me up, find me on Facebook, you'll find it. Do you know what I mean? Send me a message via these podcasts. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a function on there now. And we'll talk. I'll help you get the help because there's no point in sitting there and like wishing you get better because wishing you get better ain't going to work. You need to actually get up and go out and seek the help and get the help and work with the help you're given. And I'm not there yet. But I'm, I'm sure as hell I ain't going to stop until I get there because I feel so much better now, mentally and physically that, and emotionally. Uh, and I've got this passion now to get out and help more people. So, you know, it just goes to show that, yeah, you can go through like some real bad times and struggle and, and go through some adversities in life. and But not everyone's going to come out of it if they try and do it alone, I did, um, and I feel quite lucky, and it was only when I started coming out of it that I realised there's more and more people like me out there, so, like, you know, I do this podcast as part of part of that, but, you know, I'm just going to end it like I always do, support network, it's the most important thing, you know, and also, if you're feeling a little bit depressed, or a little bit blue, you know, a little bit down in dumps, um, try and think back to something that gave you a lot of passion, a lot of enjoyment, maybe return to that just for a little while. You know what I mean? A little bit of something you love does you good. So anyway, I'll catch you next episode. Thanks for listening and uh, don't forget to share. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later.